Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. AgriPod is brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map plus MST. Soil is your most powerful machine. On this episode, a new research report was released discussing the needs of Indigenous agricultural producers. Farm Management Canada Executive Director Heather Watson says that Indigenous business owners from across the country talked about what would be helpful to them. In the last episode of AgriPod, Heather discussed the five recommendations that came from the survey. And today she'll discuss how these recommendations can be implemented to grow the number of Indigenous people participating in agriculture. The wild boar population continues to grow and is causing concern because of the damage they cause to private property and native plants due to their feeding habits and reproductive capabilities. Feral pigs can carry parasites, viruses or diseases that can be transmitted to domestic, livestock, wildlife and even humans. They are known to carry African swine fever, a serious disease which, if introduced to domestic swine herds, causes financial and economic losses for Canadian hog producers. Mark Ferguson with the Saskatchewan Pork Development Commission will talk about the efforts to control wild pigs and how the public can help. After the break, Heather Watson. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Heather Watson is the Executive Director of Farm Management Canada, and we're going to be talking about the information from a survey, and that report is called The Path Forward. So Heather, on the last episode, you outlined five recommendations that came from the survey of Indigenous business owners and and what they felt they needed to be successful. So what did you find in your survey information that perhaps other data from sources like Statistics Canada didn't have? We found as we were comparing the data from our study with, you know, some of the data from Statistics Canada and other sources that, you know, we were we were breaking things things down pretty um, minutely. So, um, you know, all the different crops, all the different types of livestock, etc. But when we tried to compare that data to Statistics Canada, um, you know, the commodity breakdown was limited to, you know, beef, cattle, grains and oil seeds and other crops, other livestock, dairy, and then fruit and tree nut. And so if we could, you know, work with our counterparts at Stats Canada and other governmental bodies to kind of be able to compare apples to apples, I think it would help drive some of the information a little bit further because we can look specifically at, you know, um, say sheep and lamb production and, um, you know, not just some of those really, really overarching categories. So just some, you know, opportunities to, you know, compare apples to apples when it comes to research and data going forward would, would certainly put us in a better position to, uh, you know, figure out the, the best steps forward. I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, talking about those very getting into the specifics, agriculture is so broad in, in scope. So very unique needs in every region of the country, um, you know, mm-hmm. where there's going to be more grain production or perhaps more livestock production or the fruit and berry side of things. But what I found interesting with the report is that some of the skills that you talked about really would serve any agriculture sector for Indigenous uh, producers. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that's the, I guess, the exciting thing. If, if there is an exciting thing about farm business management as a topic, we often <laughs> tease each other that, you know, it's, it's probably the least sexy or exciting thing in agriculture. But, but I mean, what excites us is that, you know, these tried and true practices really transcend any demographic differences. So, you know, every every farm and every producer could benefit from a business plan, um, you know, from uh, keeping good financial records, from, um, you know, good HR practices, and the list goes on. So, it, it you know, these really kind of, you know, are beneficial across the board, um, Indigenous or non-Indigenous, but what this research helps us uncover is, is how we can... Um, you know, kind of comfortably insert some of that thinking into Indigenous populations. And what's really exciting as well is that, you know, compared to, you know, non-Indigenous operations, the Indigenous operations are fairly young for the most part. So kind of in a new entrant or, or you know, new farmer categories. So, you know, oftentimes when we're dealing with non-Indigenous, um, you know, producers, we're trying to convince, you know, generation after generation that have you know, their their traditions, you know, kind of ingrained in this is what we do and this is why we do it. Um, and sometimes that presents difficulties when we're trying to, you know, trying to encourage business practices like business planning or transition planning. Um, but, you know, we can, when we can get there, you know, right at the beginning and say, hey, if you can take a business-oriented approach to farming from the get-go, um, you know, it's going to reap substantial rewards, um, you know, as you move throughout your agricultural career and, you know, as you look at, um, you know, the years ahead of you in terms of farming. So that's kind of really exciting for us that we can kind of get in on the ground level with this business management skills development. Um, you know, things are, are, are taken from a business approach from the get-go. I think it will help us, you know, take an incredible leap forward with the Indigenous population in agriculture. Heather Watson is the Executive Director of Farm Management Canada, and we're discussing a report called The Path Forward, which investigates the business management needs of Indigenous agricultural producers. It's very clear that Indigenous agriculture has grown uh, in the last 10 to 15 years, but I think what we're seeing now and I think what the report reflects is the huge potential that is there. Yeah, oh, exactly. And and you know it's kind of any any way you look at it um even um you know i know sometimes it's a little bit dangerous to talk about you know climate change or or you know weather phenomena however you want to phrase it but you know we have um our counterparts in the yukon territory and northwest territories for example and you know as we're seeing you know weather change it does present new opportunities of course it presents challenges in terms of you know pests and disease and and managing everything else, but it does present new inter, uh, new opportunities in terms of what we can grow and how we can grow it and, you know, what in- infrastructure is required. And really, you know, that's something that hits on the other piece that stands out with this research is, you know, farmers in general are, you know, are care about sustainability and, you know, economic sustainability, environmental and, and social or societal. Um, but with Indigenous, we have this added component of, you know, food security and food sovereignty. And so, you know, when we can support these 
populations in, in growing their own food and, you know, and feeding their own people um, and, you know, trying to provide some comfort when it comes to food sovereignty and security, um, you know, that's an exciting um, benefit as well to um, to the growth in the sector is that it's it's going to be, you know, meeting immediate needs. And the collaboration that that we're seeing now, the working together, that it's really exciting to see how how the indigenous agriculture could be growing in the years to come. It's it's uh, very encouraging, I guess, is what uh, what the words I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would definitely echo those comments. Um, yeah, we see we see nothing but encouragement from the report. I mean, of course, you know, we tapped into some problem areas and some challenges, but. You know, the important thing is is that that they are being highlighted and that they're being combined with some, you know, suggested, um, you know, solutions or I guess as the title of the report refers to, you know, the path forward to try and, um, you know, resolve some of these issues and start working on them in a, in a you know, real ground level way. So, you know, let's talk to, um, you know, those in charge of economic development or infrastructure or lending and really start, um, you know, looking at these these issues in a in a really practical, tangible way to to resolve and or, you know, at least start improving improving because we know that there's such huge opportunity um, for the indigenous population in agriculture and um, you know and I think it's in everyone's best interest to give them the best possible chance for success. Heather, where can we find the report and uh, get into the meat and potatoes of this? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, you can find the report. Uh, of course, it's, it's all over our social media, um, but directly you can find it at our at our website for our organization. So it's www.fmc-gac.com, which I know is, isn't the easiest thing to remember, um, but you can also find us on social media under Farm Management Canada. Lots of great information. Uh, anything else that uh, that you wanted to add? The only thing I would like to mention is we're really grateful for, um, you know, who for our partners who who came on board with this research, and so you know our our opportunities to do work like this really depends on um, private industry as well as our government supporters. So. You know, we're really happy to have the support of the government of Canada and of the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. But, um, you know, we could only kind of go halfway if it wasn't for our industry partners. So just a huge, you know, thanks and shout out to Bayer and the Canadian Canola Growers Association and SBC for being part of this research as well. And, of course, our friends at the Canadian Ag HR Council for helping us um helping us delve into this research and, um, you know, use the support through their Indigenous Advisory uh, Committee as well to make sure that we're, you know, appreciating and being appropriate to, um, you know, the, the needs and the opportunities in this population. Great chatting with you and thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Heather Watson is the Executive Director of Farm Management Canada. After the break, Mark Ferguson with Saskatchewan Pork Development Board will tell us about a new toll-free number that has been set up to report wild boar activities in Saskatchewan. 
Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The Saskatchewan Pork Development Board has set up a hotline for residents of the province to report sightings of wild boars. With me is Sask Pork General Manager Mark Ferguson. Mark, we know that wild pigs are considered an invasive species and they cause serious damage uh, to plants and wild animals. And since they've been introduced about 20 years ago, wild boars also carry diseases that can be transmitted to domestic livestock and humans. So obviously this is a very serious concern. We know they're out there for sure. And there's there's pockets of wild boar in Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, the big issue with wild boar, and we saw this in Germany, is that if you ever get a, a you know, a reportable uh, disease into that wild population, it is really hard to control. So, you know, in terms of something like African swine fever, there's a big interest in making sure that we don't have a large wild population. So, you know, that won't be an issue if we ever ever do get something like ASF in Saskatchewan. The big thing that the public can do with respect to wild boar is uh, if they ever see one out in the country is report it. And there's a couple of different avenues to report it. They can talk to their local crop insurance office or they can call the the hotline, which is one eight three three pig spot And we would take that report and then we uh, follow up on it. There's people with the Ministry of Agriculture and Saskatchewan Crop Insurance that will... Uh, We'll give uh, whoever reports the sighting a call and we will uh, definitely follow up. And uh, if, if there are pigs in the area, hunt teams will be dispatched to remove the animals. Mark, can you explain for us uh, the kind of damage that uh, wild boars can, uh, can cause? They do cause damage uh, in some cases in terms of, you know, eating crops that, that are out there. So if there's a population in your area, they can, they can be, be eating your crops. Uh, they do a lot of rooting and, and that type of thing as well. Are there certain pockets um, in the province that high, have higher populations than others? Well, in uh, in northeast Saskatchewan, uh, in that St. Brew area, we understand there's there's a population that uh, is is currently being actively managed. There's been you know several hundred animals removed over the over the past couple of years and continue to be, and so that is one area. Down in southeast Saskatchewan, uh, Moose Mountain, there was a pocket of wild boar, but we understand those have been largely removed at this point. Uh, there hasn't been very many sightings lately. So, I mean, that's a success story. It shows if you do have the population actively being managed in an area, it is possible to remove a lot of those animals. And so that's why we're encouraging the public to report any sightings that do occur. And so we can get a handle on where they are. And with that information in hand, they can actively be removed. And I guess um, it's important to mention that these wild boars were escapees, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, from farms and are now running wild. Exactly. Wild boar are not native to Saskatchewan. So there were a number of wild boar farms back in the 1990s. Some animals escaped, some were apparently released at, at that time which is what has resulted in this uh, feral population in Saskatchewan. So they're not an animal that is supposed to be out there. They're an animal that we would like to see eradicated. The biggest issue uh, is actually finding them to control them. They're very reclusive animals. They're very, they're smart. 
you know, they stay away from people. The easiest time to, to find them, I think, is in the wintertime when there's less, you know, trees and cover and you can see signs of them in the snow. So uh, the, the bigger issue is, uh, is actually finding them, not, not removing them. Mark Ferguson is the general manager of Sask Pork, and the hotline number to call to report a sighting of a wild boar is 1-833-744-7768. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of October 25, 2021. If you haven't booked your seed for next spring, you need to do it now. The drought was widespread and seed production is down due to lower yields. In addition to that, Todd Hyra with Seacan said growers should be prepared for some sticker shock as commodity prices have skyrocketed, so will the price of seed. He said seed growers will have to decide how much of their certified seed production to hold for sale as seed and how much to sell into the commodity market. A market analyst sees wheat prices peaking near the end of the year at over $12 a bushel. Neil Townsend with FarmLink Marketing Solutions said demand remains strong for spring wheat with production down in North America and Russia. Townsend predicted the current canola price of $20 a bushel could go higher. One issue arising from the dry conditions is the increased risk of herbicide carryover. Herbicides are primarily broken down by moisture, temperature and time. Some Group 2 herbicides pose a higher risk for carryover under very dry conditions. Growers need to be aware of potential scenarios involving canola, durum and canary seed. Some chemical manufacturers have made label changes following the extreme heat and drought of 2021. Sask wheat, Sask canola, Saskatchewan pulse growers have all produced a 12-page fact sheet on herbicide carryover risks and considerations. It's available on all three organizations' websites. RCMP are warning producers to take steps to protect their valuable farm equipment. Police say portable items like tools, GPS systems and radios should be removed from machinery. If they can't be removed, record serial numbers and mark them so they can be identified if they're stolen and then recovered. Farmers are advised to move all equipment indoors or store in a well-lit area visible from the house but out of sight of main roads. Motion sensor security lights or timer lights are helpful. There should be an inventory of serial numbers, makes, models and pictures. RCMP also add thefts should be reported immediately. Canadian Pacific lowered its volume outlook for this year due to the drought and supply chain challenges. CP said a 40% reduction in the size of the crop and supply chain problems contributed to a drop in grain revenue by 21% in the third quarter. CP said it now expects low single-digit volume growth this year compared with last year, but the railway says it remains confident it will deliver full-year double-digit adjusted earnings per share growth. Ollie Mills Management has announced the sudden passing of its president and CEO, Rajon Nadeau. 71-year-old Nadeau succumbed to a sudden and virulent cancer on October 14th. Since taking the helm in 1996, Nadeau grew the company to expand its operations from Quebec to Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan and New Brunswick through multiple partnerships, mergers and acquisitions in the pork and poultry sectors. Ollie Mel's Senior Vice President of Operations Yannick Gervais has assumed the duties of CEO.
CN Rail has begun the search for a new chief executive officer. Jean-Jacques Rouy will retire as president and board member at the end of January. CN Board Chair Robert Pace said Rui has dedicated 25 years to the organization's the board has appointed a CEO search committee and make recommendations on a replacement. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. AgriPod was brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map plus MST. Soil is your most powerful machine. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.